Hi guys, Stefan here, and you're listening to Talking About Tracy Chapman, the Tracy Chapman fan podcast. Today's guest is an incredible musician who has toured globally with the likes of Anne Wilson and Hart, contributed to multi-platinum and Grammy award-winning work, and has shared the stage with the likes of Jackson Brown and Alec Clapton. Today we have Andy Stoller. Thanks for joining us today, Andy. That's quite the CV you've got there. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah. <laughs> I've had I've had some adventures. That is for sure. I feel very grateful about that. Tell yeah. me about some of that. Tell me what what was your highlight? Wow, there's so many. I mean, when I I was reflecting on Tracy, you know, before you called, and um, one of the big highlights was uh, playing uh, at the White House. Uh, we actually played "Give Me One Reason" with um, with Eric Clapton, and that was just unbelievable at the time i mean it's still unbelievable to me but he it was just he was so gracious and it was he's he was such a hero from when i was a kid yeah it was uh it was thrilling um and the other highlight uh big highlight in my career i think was just this year when we played uh hard played the hollywood bowl that was pretty stunning incredible um, yeah my uh one of the guitar players on hard craig bartok is a fantastic uh beatles um not a fan. He's like an aficionado, you know. He's one of these guys, and so we were sound checking at the Hollywood Bowl, and Craig came over and said, "Okay, well, I think uh, John stood right here. <laughs> you know, oh, wow. Paul stood over here, and I'm, you know, it's it was a little overwhelming, um, but exciting for sure. Yeah, yeah. Those are a couple of highlights. Yeah, and recent as well. I love that. So you're living the dream still. Heart uh, are great. Feel good. Powerful. Tiny, tiny bit before my time, but then everything that I'm a fan of seems to be. <laughs> oh, how old are you? Can I, I am that? 30, yeah. Um, that's, that's good. So you've got quite the CV, like I said. Um, they seem to be rock legends. Is that is that something you have curated, or is that just by chance? <laughs> uh, well, no. I mean, it's just sort of how how it came to be. You know, one, one thing would lead to another. Uh, uh, I mean, it wasn't necessarily my goal but but um uh yeah i would just fall into it uh you know i i I auditioned for tracy without really knowing her at all and uh and then that that kind of really springboarded my career great Um, that was in 1994 yes probably yes i think so new beginning um when you say you auditioned I think that yeah. marked a change in style for for Tracy in a way. I think before then she was um, she had pre-written all of the, the music and um, she had everything ready to go. I think a lot of the source material was um, pre nineteen eighty eight. So she a lot of the the first right. three albums came from her career, you know, busking, playing smaller mm-hmm. gigs. But this was the first time she. Um, got a band together and, and wrote around um, the band, I believe. Um, yes, it was something like that. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely, she was, um, I the, the word was she was looking for a band, you know, not, not uh, she didn't want to, like, just like you said, go into the studio. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I mean, she's had some amazing players on those early records, but she wanted, like, that's kind of like you described, she wanted uh, some time to, you know, workshop the band and, and, uh, you know, spend a few months playing together and, uh, figuring these songs out. So that's exactly what happened. Um, I, a friend of mine, uh, was, uh, that I was actually living with at the time, Michael Meisel was working for, uh, 
this management company, Gold Mountain, and then Tracy was a new client. And um, I had always loved that first record like everyone else, and I sort of demanded from my friend that he hook me up with audition somehow. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, yeah, that was it. I was living in L.A. I, I flew to uh, Oakland to audition. Uh, Rock Dedrick was there and Tracy yeah. and me. And then... Um, and then I got called back like a week later and then uh, they offered me the job and uh, it was like Thursday and they said, you know, uh, work starts Monday, uh, you got to move to San Francisco. <laughs> and <laughs> I was I was in my car, you know, the next day, very excited. That's how I that's how I joined the band. That's yeah, quite the quite the intro to the Tracy. A lot of people do say it moves quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I was ready. I was ready to get out of L.A. and I was ready. Uh, I was just definitely ready to do a gig like this. And then we went. Um, so we, we moved to San Francisco. We rehearsed at the studio. Actually, the studio we rehearsed at, we kind of camped out for a few months, was owned by um, Neil Schoen of Journey. That's a little trivia for you. But um, nice. so, so we were in his studio. I mean, it was a couple months, you know, going there every day and just playing. And it was you know, as as a, as a young man in his twenties, this was heaven. Yeah, you know, get, getting up, going to the studio, working, and coming home. It was just exactly what I wanted. Um, so that was with Tracy as well as the band. Yeah. So when I was, let's see, it was me and Tracy and Rock Dedrick, um, Adam Levy on guitar, uh, Glennis Rogers on percussion and vocals, and then we had a few different uh, keyboard players, kind of rotate through she eventually settled on um kiki epson was probably the longest running keyboard player but also people like patrick warren yeah john thomas yeah all great all great people yeah you guys seem close even even now even if you're not connected i mean um i mentioned um just before we started recording the um the tracy chapman online community which i sort of manage and um i always make an effort to tag you guys um whenever you're in content and um it's really nice to see your your reminiscing of of those days yeah, yeah. Well, I, it's, it was it was great it was a great time and and i i mean I, i'm still very very good friends with glennis rogers i keep in touch with uh most of the other folks too yeah it was very exciting yeah um we we um so we, we, we rehearsed the the album, you know, like I said, she had the tunes basically written, but we worked on arrangements together. Yeah. And then um, and then we did this quick uh, tour of, of small venues, clubs even. Um, and then we right away went to the studio. So she wanted to get us kind of road, uh, you know, worn just a little bit and then head to the studio. So the, so the tour was also rehearsal for the record. And then we went to... Um, the site yeah. the studio in um marin county which was just beautiful and uh we spent maybe three weeks there i don't know to do basic tracks and and then overdubs were done over the next you know few months and you toured prior to the album i think that's unique what were the big learnings uh, for the record or, or was it just refinement at that stage the idea of going on the road like it often happens you 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 do a tour you start a tour and then kind of like you're working stuff out you get your groove on and you know the last show of the tour you're like ah, now we got it and uh <laughs> yeah and she, my sense is she wanted to get that feeling and then head right in okay that makes yeah. a lot of sense so you were new ish to to tracy's work when you went in 
Um, how quickly did you realize what you were dealing with? Because New Beginning became a monster hit in the US. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, we had no idea about when we made the record, you know, what what it would do. You never know. Uh, you never you never know how it's going to turn out because as a as a uh, rhythm section player, you 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 you're, you're there at the at the beginning of the process. Yeah, laying down what they call basic tracks. So at least the drummer, the bass player, you know, are doing it live. But we we did the whole band live, and um, but then you're away from it for months, and they you know overdubs are put on and they mix it, and you just never know. It's often very different than what you remember, you know. Sure. Uh, let alone are people going to like it? And I and I remember. I was just telling someone the story. We went, the record came out, and, and it didn't really make much um, noise at the beginning. Um, and I th- we were, I think we were in Europe. I don't know. We did we did a tour. I remember at the end of the tour, uh, Tracy gathered us around and sort of said, "Okay, I think we're going to be done." You know, just to tell people uh, if they want to look for work, because she, she was. We were going to, like, I guess, close up shop, and then. Yeah. Uh, which was kind of a bummer, but then very soon after that, uh, they dropped "Give Me One Reason" and it just took off, and then everything started over there. Yeah. That, that, that was the big, uh, beginning of a big whirlwind. Yeah, uh, which I, was great. I was, was reading. I was reading about um, "Give Me One Reason." It "Give Me One Reason" was written um, in. 1986, I believe, which yeah. um, predated this album. All of the other tracks were um, contemporary. Yeah. Um, ha- did you approach that song differently um, in the recording process? I I recall, uh, and I may be remembering it wrong, but uh, that it was. I mean, we we I remember like that tour we did before because you know it's a 12 bar blues. It's not. Um, it's you know, not very complex, although, you know, with the arrangement of, 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 of how we, you know, did it on the record we had to work on, but, yeah. uh, you know, to, for people who don't know, the 12 bar blues is a, is a very basic, um, uh, yeah, f- f- song form. Uh, but you know, she nails it, she kills it. Um, but I remember, uh, in the studio that we kind of recorded it last, I think. And it was, it felt like an extra song that, you know, we didn't put as much time into, um, yeah. And, but, you know, I, I think part of part of what makes that song great is that we played it live. Um, and uh, if you if you listen or if you if you know if you if you're tapping your your foot to it, the beginning and the end, it actually speeds up, which is kind of unusual. Uh, and you try not to do that <laughs> with recording, but sometimes it's super appropriate as the song gets more energy. I mean, if you listen to a lot Led Zeppelin songs, they they actually speed up. Um, uh, by the end, it sort of you know lifts the uh, excitement of it, and, and I don't think it was intentional the way we did it, but um, <laughs> I actually think that's part that's part of the appeal. I think. Yeah. Strangely. Do you have any other memories from uh, touring that may be of interest or, or were unusual? Yeah, uh, I mean that you know there's the experience of of, uh, of creating and playing music that you know for big audiences, which is just thrilling. It still is. Um, and uh, you know we had these special un- unusual concerts we do like we we did this um, uh, Amnesty International concert in Paris it was the 30th anniversary of the Declaration of Human Rights and yeah. um, and we uh, we opened the show it was at this you know Coliseum and we opened the show I mean there's there's a DVD of this of um, Tracy's band playing behind uh, Tracy of course and Bruce Springsteen and 
Peter Gabriel used to endure, and that was quite a thrill. Uh, uh, yes, <laughs> you know, yes. we were we were in the um, rehearsal studio outside Paris, and Peter Gabriel walks in, and we rehearsed with him. It was just unbelievable, you know, very some thrilling uh, events like that. But also just being on tour, you know, at that level, that was the first time I'd done that. It was, um, you know, you, you travel pretty well, uh, even though it's pretty tiring, uh, but. Uh, you know, nice buses, nice accommodations, and and uh, the hang was just great. I mean, we we went all over the world. We we were in Australia for quite a long time, and yep. we went to South Africa. We were in Soweto, uh, you know, all over Europe and the U.S. Yeah, it was just great. I love touring. I love it. If I was still single, I would you know have no. I would just do it. Uh, but once you have a family, it's, it gets you know harder. Yeah. I feel like that's yeah. why Tracy's um, um, been away for so long to a degree um, and not the families per se, but just to live life a little, um, yeah. Yeah. which makes perfect sense. Um, so you mentioned there Australia. Um, interestingly, from that concert, um, the Amnesty International concert, um, Tracy um, replaced some of New Beginning, the song, with yes. a didgeridoo solo. Right, so that's another example. We just read we played that song for that um, concert just completely different than the record I think she just got she gets not bored but she just wants to try new things but yeah she got I guess we had yeah we had been to Australia exactly and she had the didgeridoo of course um, but she played it on the on the uh, record too okay the uh, the uh, yeah the didgeridoo at the beginning that's her playing it I think would you say this is yeah. this approach um, and this creativity is is you is relatively unique, or is this something that you see a lot um, um, with musicians and lead vocalists? What's uh, are you talking about? Um, different versions of songs. Yeah, the arrangements and, and yeah, I think I don't think it's. Um, and you know, I love it uh, as a performer. I love it as a um, fan, um, and uh, I. I, I I think some some fans get upset because they want to hear the song just like on the record. Yeah. Um, but but um, I mean, with with heart now, we we've done uh, you, you know so some of the huge hits differently. And when I played an Anne solo band, we, same thing. Uh, just you know, after years of doing the same song every night, I can imagine you won't want to sing it a different way once in a while. Yeah, that Instead makes of sense. Not playing it, right? Yeah, yeah. I think from yeah. it depends what type of fan you are. Actually, this is a, these are little gifts to 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 the long-standing fans because there are people yes. who go and just want to hear Fast Car and Baby Can I Hold You and yeah, um, yeah. talk about Revolution. But actually, if we go to maybe one or two, three shows a tour, um, yeah, it'll be different every night. And it's um, I remember um, 2005 was the first time I saw Tracy live and it was on the Where You Live tour, I think it was um, in Manchester Apollo and she opened with a long drawn out dramatic version of um, Why and um, you just yeah. you couldn't tell which song was coming and it's, it's, right. it's absolutely right. enthralling you just, um, it builds that excitement and anticipation and it sets the tone really for yes. um, for the whole game. yeah I, as and as a as a you know a, a big fan uh it's it's kind of thrilling when you that i know what you mean that mo that moment of an artist plays you're not really sure what song it is 
Yeah. It's familiar, and then it hits you. Uh, you know, that's, that's awesome. <laughs> that. A lot. A lot of people don't like Bob Dylan these days because you know they say it's unrecognizable, and I understand his his voice has changed over the years, but yeah. I that's what he does. He 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 mixes it up, and I love that. You can't yes. really criticize him because he's he's paid his dues. He could do what he wants. Yes, I I, <laughs> I, I understand the, the the rub that some people have with him, and I'm you know I can't argue with that. But uh, for my taste, that's uh, you know his his rawness now, and it's kind of like a little bit like Tom Waits. Um, yeah. You know the voice is is hard to get used to, but but um I I still think Bob Dylan is a great singer. He's very expressive uh, and emotive and this phrasing is great and I'm a fan so I'll stop gushing uh, no I, I'm, I'm with you my friend Adam yeah. who um, who listens to the podcast so um, shout out to Adam um, he um, hi Adam he introduced me to um, the Christmas album a few years back which <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is quite something um, yeah but that's one that kind of stays on my shelf but that's okay <laughs> I love it. That it's just so, yeah. so intriguing, so interesting, um, and you, original. You can't say that Christmas music has That's ever true. sounded like that. So yeah, um, uh, I gotta pull one out, I guess. Now that you mention it. <laughs> um, so okay, moving through from from new beginning to telling stories. Yeah. Um, this was a notable gap in Tracy's career, and I think at this stage she was saying, impressed that she was getting a bit tired of um, the tour release tour release process which she'd been going through since for almost 10 years yeah um so do you remember anything from that time and did you see a, di- a dynamic change uh well you know I, I i stopped touring with her uh let's see after we made that record uh yes Tell, telling right. stories i think i think i did a couple things at the beginning of that cycle but um, so let's, let's see, go back. We, we, you know, we had that new beginning band. Um, I think one of the years in there, maybe 98, she, um, kind of reformed the band with, uh, with Steve Hunter, uh, Larry Campbell on guitar. who's was just fantastic. And it was sometimes Patrick Warren on keyboards instead. Yeah. And then, uh, Denny Fongheiser on drums. Um, and we did that band, like for the Lilith tour, for example, for those Tibet concert, the Amnesty stuff that I was talking to you about. Yeah. And then, and then she took a break, and then started pre-production for the record, which I think, Steve, yeah, Steve was there, uh, Denny, uh, I think Jeff, um, what's his name? Great keyboard player plays with Jackson Brown. Uh, uh, shit. <laughs> Sorry, can't remember. And anyway, uh, yeah, it, w- it was different because there was a different producer, David Kirschenbaum, who did her first two records. Yeah. Um, I think it kind of went back to that kind of sound. Um, you know, she wanted to go back and try that. Uh, uh, it didn't feel as much um, like a bit like a band to me. Mm-hmm. But but um, that's not that's not to say it wasn't you know uh, a great record or valid. It's just a different way to make the record so but also she, like and she had more people on the record like um uh larry klein played a lot the bass player who was also on the first two records he's he's fantastic and he became uh you know a, a prominent uh, fantastic producer 
he was, you know, he was an inspiration to me as a player. You know, when I was deciding or, or figuring out what I wanted to do and what appealed to me as a musician, the, the whole idea of being a studio player was very intriguing to me because, like, basically doing what people like Larry Klein or Lee Slar do is they, you know, go into a session, you don't necessarily know what you're doing, you're, you're uh, given basically some instructions, then, like, like, somebody plays a song or there's a demo, and you learn the song right there and you get creative and you do it and then you're done. Um, and then tomorrow it's something different that I, I love that. And so watching him as a, as a model yeah. was great, especially cause he was on those early records that I had to learn. So that was a pleasure too. Yeah. yeah. So he had the, um, all of the reference points in the stories, I guess. Yeah. Okay. So the the band dynamic, uh, the band. I forgot, where, I forgot what the question was. Oh yeah, the the, the dynamic change. Yeah. The band and, uh, change. Um, but still, um, a great record and. Yeah, uh, I know. Great, great songs. There was um, God, there was this one song I played on that Emmy Lou Harris sang on to. Uh, the only one. Yes. Yeah. And there was this other one. Da, 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 uh, ah. It was in it was in three. Ah, I can't remember. Sorry, oh, it's all right. It's been years. <laughs> did Did you meet Emily Harris? No, uh, no, not not then. But um, I did meet her um, maybe about three or four years ago when I was playing um, with um, Ann Wilson's band, and okay. we we were in Nashville, uh, and she sat in with us. She and Allison Cross sat in with us, and that was quite a thrill. So I met her then. Nice. She's a bit yeah. of a, a folk legend. Oh, uh, she's amazing, and she's got this presence. You know, some people have this glow when you just when they walk in the room. She's one of those people. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um. But you were also credited on "Let It Rain." Yes. Yeah. On, yes, that was fun. Um, it was interesting for that one. Uh, either they didn't have a bass player there, or they had something they did they wanted to change. Um. Because I got a call, she was already into recording, and I got a call from her. You know, she's like, "Do you want to come just down, just you know, do some overdubs?" <laughs> and, okay. Which is it's un, it's unusual for to do bass overdubs, um, just because when you when you track uh, with it's with the bass and drummer in the same room, it's you know, there's a certain energy and there's a certain um, uh, you know connection to the groove. That, yeah. That's just normal, but but it's. But uh, and I had never done bass overdubs before, but I learned to love it because um, you're sitting in the control room. Well, how it happened? I was with Tracy and the producer, and and, and you can really microscope and get things just right and focus on uh, what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So it was I, I I I don't know whatever I did. We I think we tracked the song "Let It Rain" uh, live with Joey Warnaker, who's a great drummer. Um, and I remember we kept the first take of that. So what you hear on the record is the first thing we played. Oh, great! And uh, and everything else um, that I played on was I overdubbed, and it was and Tracy played some bass on the record too. I think, yeah. Oh, um, brilliant! So that's you know that's quite the span of the career there. You've got from sort of 1994 through 2002. And then I, I did I did some sessions for um, yeah where yes where you live yeah but I did oh, I did some sessions but they didn't for what some reason didn't keep it that, that happens sometimes too what i love about that album is you can hear um the sirens in the background you can hear people walking yeah. past it's very it feels very alive it feels very yeah but not it doesn't feel live in the sense that it's rough it feels as if it's living a little as if you can hear it breathing um 
something about you know the way Tracy uh, recorded her voice. Um, you know, it, it was it was very, at least my perception, it was very dry. Like you know, not a lot of effect on it, and kind of really upfront. Like it, uh, if you if you really have a discerning ear, it sounds like you know they placed the voice higher maybe than um, normal. <laughs> you know, relative to the other instruments, but kind of like uh, Tom Petty does that too. It's it's just kind of the 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 singing and the lyrics are just right in front, right in front of your face. And it feels, um, even with a band, it, it gives it this intimate feel and this kind of presence uh, yeah. that you may be referring to, kind of a raw uh, element and some, something that's very pristine in the background. That makes sense. Yeah, no, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Um, thank you very much for taking the time out today to chat to me because yeah. it's been um, incredible and so insightful. Um, Great. I really appreciate that. Um, yeah. Just before you go, I, I know we've been through so many of the, the tracks, but yeah. I always ask um, if you could choose one track, uh, uh, what would it be? Maybe The Promise. Solid. We haven't had that one yet. Because, uh, well, it, it was it was special to me because when we played it in concert, it would just be me and her, and that was, that was always special for me. Um, yeah. And we did that at the White House, uh, you know, that time when we played with um, with Eric. But that song was just the two of us the same. So that's, yeah, I love. And, I, you know, I really love um, from the New Beginning record, um, I'm Ready. Yeah. That, that's great. I always get a little chill when I hear that. Yeah, I know it was, it was about her grandfather. And with that context, listening to the lyrics is, you know, yeah, it's pretty powerful. So, yeah. And um, Save a Place for Me is, is a beautiful rep- uh, reprise from that. Yes. Um, brilliant. They, they, yeah. uh, that's a brilliant answer. Thank you. Thanks again. Um, yeah. What's, what's your favorite one? Um, so mine, I've got a few. Um, <laughs> um, B&B Not Afraid, which is from Where You Live. Um, mm-hmm. It's bizarre. It's, um, again, relatively um, dark in, the, in its subject matter, but it's stunning. Um there's a, um, a, I think it's an accordion. Um, does a does a little solo in the middle, and, and it just lets it just lets you sit with the vibe of it and the and the meaning, and it just it's haunting. So that one, um, and then that's a good description. Yeah, um, and then bridges from um, mm-hmm. from crossroads, and mm-hmm. also I think I'd have to say at this point in my life, um, mm-hmm. yeah, just yeah. just that's for. Great. Yeah, just because I think everyone can relate to yes, to, <laughs> to, to me. No matter where you are, yeah. Yeah. I just, yeah, you know, I, I need to. I mean, I, this was a long time ago. I don't, I don't take it for granted, you know, that uh, how special that experience was, and and uh, you know that that record really uh, changed my life in uh, you know in many ways, my uh, professionally, creatively. Uh, financially and um and uh it was i get a lot i I still get get um you know people people calling me because of that record and the way i played on it and and i tracy really gave me um freedom to try interesting things and i'm i'm just very proud of proud of it and uh and uh you know grateful to her and grateful I, i don't take it for granted it's yeah it was great Oh, so. well, absolutely. And and like we said, you know, 
that CV you've accumulated since. Um, testament to your talent and um, ability. She, Tracy only works with great musicians, but also great people. So um, I think that's very evident throughout her entire um, career. It really makes a difference, your personality. Yeah. Like what if in this business, there, there are thousands, not maybe not a thousand, but there, there are many people that could have uh, done that job instead of me that were maybe more technically agile, but uh, personality is so important, especially yeah. if you're going on the road, you're going to be in a band. Um, young, young players sometimes come up to me and, you know, they ask me for advice. I, you know, they, they want to do the kind of uh, professional stuff I do. And, you know, they say, what should I do? And my first answer is always don't be uh, an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 you know, and it's with seriousness, you know, it's, it's because of all that. You practice, of course, you know, show up on time. But, God, there's, there's a lot of uh, people that um, aren't uh, – would, wouldn't be good travel partners let's say yeah you know and that just so. that makes a difference or if you end up being a dick about you know you, you don't stay mm-hmm. people get yeah and uh so that's my uh little testament to being nice i <laughs> like that yeah i mean with any job right but, but yeah absolutely music um, business is insane so you gotta you gotta um you know spread kindness where you can like a little pressure cooker i guess and lots of Lots of egos. Um. Yes. <laughs> right, perfect.